Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Today, I am honored to have Doris Brown and Alice Liu, two environmental and community activists and advocates with the Northeast Action Collective. So let's get started with what is the Northeast Action uh, Collective, Doris? The Northeast Action Collective is of bilingual. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. BIPOC community. Um, we got together because we were frustrated. It was only 10 of us that began it back in uh, 2018. We were frustrated with the bureaucracies, with the governesses, because we were still flooded historically. So we got together, and like I said, it was 10 of us then. It's almost five years later, because in October we'll be five years old, and we have over 75 regular members. We have a lot of collaborators now, so yes. And we, we're never going to give up our fight for better, for equity and for better structure. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And Alice, um, let, me, let me first just tell you in, in, uh, that I am impressed that in an organization like this, we have young people, older folks, and so forth, getting involved. What got you involved in this project? Yeah, so I've been with um, West Street Recovery and the Northeast Action Collective for uh, almost three years now. And um, I first became involved with climate activism and organizing in college. And um, I have I had known about West Street Recovery since Hurricane Harvey. I was aware of uh, their efforts to help folks rebuild um, after Hurricane Harvey, especially people who were denied from government and other forms of assistance. So I was really inspired by um, their model for community organizing. And I think you're right that one of the most beautiful parts is uh, how intergenerational we are. I'm, I'm 24. I think, Doris, how old are you? 73. Oh. <laughs> so you're so you're getting the two ends of the of the age spectrum right here. <laughs> and I I think I think that is wonderful. So uh Doris, tell me exactly. I mean, earlier before we got on on air, we're talking about uh that your your concern was about the infrastructure, specifically how it's neglected in BIPOC areas. As an example from the document that uh, you sent over, I learned something. I didn't realize that 41% or so of our drainage are open ditches, but 80-something percent of said ditches occur in BIPOC areas, in other words, in, in communities of color, which I think right on the bat tells you something about how infrastructure dollars are actually allocated in this in in this city, and likely this is representative around the the entire country. Talk to me, Doris. Yes, I um, that's because we've been mar marginalized. We've been redlined. We now live in 
congested areas that uh, have refineries. And I, I, I'm gonna say this, we feel as though we're sacrifice zones because everything that uh, cut off our, um, our lifespan because of the uh, hazards and the climate change and different things like this, we lose 24 years of our lifespan, especially with this particular matter. And um, the fact that in the five mile radius of my home, I have five cement batches. We have refineries. We have the largest landfill in the world. At night they burn and we have methane gas permeating our air. So we have children that are born with asthma that shouldn't be. I don't know. We have historically just been disinvested, even when even with us paying drainage fee and everything, we still don't get the upkeep nor the maintenance that other areas get. So, so that is the reason uh, that that you guys formed this group claim uh, with the expectation that together going to our city council or other governmental agencies, you will be able to uh, to at least get notice. Have you been getting any media attention, let's say from the major networks in the area, ABC, CBS, NBC, et cetera? Yes, we have, and Channel 26 also, because they are paying attention. We are presenting something, some data and stuff. So we're not only saying this, but we are presenting data. We do research on what we um, go to City Hall and to the county. We'll be in our way to the state trying to get some equity. And it does, just does not make any sense that we pay our taxes, we pay our drainage fees, we pay all kinds of taxes, and we still cannot get no relief out here in the Northeast and the Southeast. I mean, it's happening all over to all BIPOC neighborhoods. And it's time for a change. You know, I mean, th this has been going on 50, 60 years. How can we... We never seem to recover from a disaster like everyone else. Before we can recover, it's another. So it's just compounding on it, cascading. Now, you you mentioned something that really hit me earlier when you said you feel like we are being sacrificed. And you spent, you know, a lot of people have a tendency to uh, say things like, well, the reason why certain areas don't get the infrastructure that other areas get is maybe the tax base is smaller there. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. And as opposed to allocating taxes the way it should, meaning... In a in a in in an area as opposed to well, if this is a rich area, we give a whole lot of a location to that rich area. A lot of times, that's not done. Now, Alice, how um how are you approaching, let's say, city council uh, from a from a demand point of view? What are you demanding of of city council? Do you have a list of items that you want them to actually effect now? Um, yes, absolutely. So. Uh, over the past few months, we have gotten together with not just the Northeast Action Collective, but with other community groups and allies across Northeast Houston and across the city. And we've put together four demands that we think 
address um, a lot of the inequities in our drainage infrastructure system that Doris was talking about. So our demands are to increase the SWAT uh, and local drainage program um, project funds by $20 million and to make those increases permanent. And this is actually uh, uh, more than doubling the funds for those two pots of money. Um, and we've chosen to focus on these two pots of money because uh, SWAT allows city councilors to actually um, implement projects that directly address their constituents' needs. Um, and we're focusing on the local drainage project because... What is SWAT? Um, yes, SWAT is the stormwater action team. So that is a pot of money that is equally divided between city council districts. Um, so we're asking them not only to increase SWAT, but also to increase the local drainage project because we know that need is not evenly divided between city council districts. So local drainage project allows public works to actually address areas with the most need uh, and areas with the highest social vulnerability. Um, our other demands are actually to increase funding for public works staff and maintenance. Um, that way we're increasing their in-house capacity to address ditch maintenance needs. And finally, we're asking them to make um, drainage governance more uh, equitable and democratic. Now, when you say equitable and democratic, earlier I, I went on a short soapbox where I stated that it seems like uh, wealthier areas get better, let's say drainage, et cetera. Um, is that what, do you all have that documented that uh, they actually put more money for drainage in these areas and let's say in BIPOC communities? Is that something that's documented? And uh, Doris, do you know that or? Well, as you can see. So, I mean, the fact that we're still flooding out here and our drainage dollars are being diverted somewhere else. You can see it anywhere. And I think um, Alice did the research team. Did they come up with uh, some data on that from the four years? Well, Doris, I think you said it great. Um, one, we're talking about these inequities. Uh, we know that all levels of government um, basically are not spending their money to address the areas with the most need. Uh, after Hurricane Harvey, um, other, uh, I, I forget the specific numbers, but um, Northeast Houston has only gotten less than five um, substantial flood mitigation projects, whereas other areas of Houston have gotten three to four times more. Um, this is something that we see playing out at the city level, at the county level. Um, in 2018, there was a $2.5 billion flood bond. We were the group that was fighting to make sure that equity was actually in that flood bond language. But even once we got the word equity in there, uh, several years later, we found that there was still a 75% shortfall in terms of funding for Halls and Greens bayous, which are the bayous in our areas, whereas wealthier parts of Houston, their projects were almost 100% funded. Um, and at the state level, uh, we have had to file a Title VI because after Hurricane Harvey, there was $4 billion of federal flood mitigation money, and the state gave $0 of that to the city of Houston 
and we have successfully filed a Title VI that um, the HUD uh, is now trying to move to litigation to actually try to redistribute those dollars. So I think it's a great question of how at all levels of government these inequities are stacking up. But I think at the end of the day, Doris said it best, which is we know these inequities exist because uh, when we look at the infrastructure itself and we look at the actual conditions of drainage um, and we listen to people who are living in Northeast Houston, we know that they are flooding at a much higher rate than folks in other parts of Houston. In other words, my eyes are not lying. I know what I see. I know what I see. Well, so let, let's go into um, you gave some points that you that, that you, you gave some ass or actually not ass. You gave some demands of what you want done, what the uh, North North. I forgot the name. North Action. What is the name of the group? Uh just call us not the northeast not. action. Oh, that is collect. so. That is so much easier than, than having to remember the the long name, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I, I, yeah. That now, What what specifically now? Now that you have these demands, where are you going to go from here? I mean, we are giving you coverage on KPFT and other places to make sure that people know this is occurring. Hopefully, people in your area as well. How do you want or what do you want done or what do you need done to ensure that uh, more pressure is applied to the particular politicians? Do you have actionable items that you want activists, activists, journalists, et cetera, to do? You can start, Doris, and then I, oh, go ahead, Lou. Go ahead, uh, Alice. I'll, I'll start us off and then and then uh, I'll pass it to you, Doris. But um, this so this interview is great timing because we are now in the middle of the uh, budget workshop process. And we're also in the middle of the period where city councilors can submit amendments to actually change the budget. Um, just yesterday, the mayor released his proposed budget. And um, we know that there has been some increase in funding in drainage investment for this next fiscal year. So we know that in some sense, uh, this we're better off in this budget than we were last year, but we're not exactly sure um, if that money is actually going towards the pots of money that we're asking them to go towards. Uh, over the next three weeks, the budget will be finalized and voted on in June 7th. Um, and what we're asking is if folks are interested in giving public comment at city council, um, please reach out to us. Uh, our phone number and email are on our website. And um, the best way to get in contact is through our Instagram, which our handle is just West Street Recovery. Um, next Tuesday on uh, May 23rd, we will also be having a press conference and um, rally at city hall. Um, and if journalists are interested in covering that, that would be fantastic. Uh, please reach out to us. Uh, email alice at weststreetrecovery.org. Um, but I'll pass it to you, Doris. Doris, do you want to talk a little bit about um, earlier you mentioned the diversion of the drainage tax and why this is an issue that we care about? We care about it because we're not getting we're steady putting into a system that is not putting back to us. Our money is being taken and building up the affluent areas of town. 
And this started back in 2015, some, somewhere along there. So imagine the millions of dollars that could have been helping us, could have been helping the infrastructure and the drainage where we wouldn't flood. And over the years, it, it hasn't got better. It's only got worse. And we're, we're trying to um, get an amendment. Um, we need policy change to stop this because when I look at it, that's theft. That's fraud. Now, Doris, so let me ask you about that, right? You said that they're collecting taxes from your district, uh, the drainage taxes in your district, and you're saying those taxes, those, that money that they're collecting is not re-inputted into your neighborhoods, but actually into neighborhoods on in other districts? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying, and that's happening all over Houston. Every year, the drainage and sewer tax goes up, but it just does not come back to the neighborhoods. Or it doesn't come back to BIPOC neighborhoods in a timely manner, nor equitable. It's, it's definitely not equitable. And I think that needs some institutional accountability and some transparency because this is historical. I mean, this has been going on for years. It's it's time for it to stop. Yeah, and, and what, the reason I'm asking it this way, right, is that there's nothing like documentation. And uh, my question is, can can your district document that you are putting out more into that. And not that, I mean, that really shouldn't matter, right? We should go where the flood is, where it, wherever it's flooding should be mitigated. But since you are already putting in from a flood prone area, putting in a whole lot of your tax base for that, those drainage with those drainage fees, et cetera. Am I really understanding that you could probably document that you are not equitably getting back what your own neighborhood, and maybe Alice, you have some numbers on that. Can you actually document that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, when we're talking about the diversion of the drainage tax, um, this is actually something that's uh, like not necessarily being diverted between districts, but the city is overall not spending um, the entire uh, pot of money that our drainage tax are funding. So the city is overall diverting money that is being paid for drainage and that is supposed to be paid um, on drainage according to the vote of city of Houston residents. And they're spending about $22 million of a, a year of that money. And they're spending it um, on other city services instead. So Mayor Turner has said, hey, we can't actually stop diverting this money because what would happen to essential services um, like police, right? And uh, first of all, that is actively violating a city ordinance and that is actively violating um, the public will of Houston residents. But also um, we think that uh, those priorities, right? Prioritizing police over public infrastructure such as drainage it is not actually reflecting um, the needs of the city of Houston. I think I don't think that could be put any uh, any better. I mean, that if, if you're collecting drainage fee and diverting it to police or otherwise, that is uh, I, I, I think that should be legal. It's probably not, but I think it should be. Uh, and it, it, it is simply wrong. All right. Let me ask you, because our time is coming up here. Uh, please tell me, I'm going to start with you now, Alice, and then and end with um with Doris. 
please tell me what should what didn't I ask you that I needed to ask you and let me know anything that you want to put out there that we need to get out there and also remember to give us your website etc so it'll be in the blog as well but give us your website so that people can hear it on air yeah fantastic i just want to end with um uh speaking a little bit about how difficult it has actually been um for us to make any any difference at all within the budget process. So the NAC as a group has tried to engage with the city budget for three to three, uh, three years now. And um, in the past, when we've tried to engage, uh, we've been told, hey, you're showing up to the wrong workshop. Hey, this is not the right time to speak or, hey, you're too late. And that ship has sailed already. So every year we've been, been getting a little bit better about showing up and being able to apply apply pressure at the right time and in the right place. Um, but part of our ask is to make the city budget more democratic because we believe right now, uh, well, a city's budget should reflect its values and should reflect its priorities. And right now, it doesn't reflect the values of the people. Right now, it reflects the values and special interests. And when people who care deeply in our communities try to show up and we try to say, hey, um, drainage infrastructure and flood mitigation is a matter of public health, right? That's a matter of public safety. Uh, it's a matter of protecting lives, of uh, protecting homes, right? And protecting entire communities. When we show up and we say that message again and again, year after year, right? We've had over 40 people give public comment every single week at city council over the past two months. Um, and we don't know whether or not that's really going to make a change yet. We'll find out over the next three weeks. We'll find out by June 7th. Um, but I just wanted to end that. Infrastructure should be a site of democracy and it should be a site of public input. And it should be a place where people are able to express our needs and those needs are actually met. Um, so that's our hope for the budgeting process this year. And our website is uh, www.weststreetrecovery.org. Well, let me tell you, having you on board, Alice, with your passion, and and it's 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 very very important. And you all will get things done as you activate more people. No doubt about it. Doris, give me a closer. I, we never quit. We're not going to quit. Um, We've been fighting this fight and we're going to continue until we feel like we're no longer that sacrifice sign. We want equity. We want transparency. And we want to stop flooding. You know, I mean, there's only so many times that you can, you know, bounce back. So we're very resilient people out this way. We have to be in order to have some quality of life. And that's what it's all about a different quality of life. Well, let me give a 30-second sermon, and it goes this way. Earlier this week, in one of my shows, somebody said, "We, uh, the government is going to do what the government is going to do. We have no control. That is not true. And you all, Northeast Action Collective, Doris Brown, Alice Liu, you guys disprove what that apathetic young man had to say. And for everybody that's listening to this program right now, I want you guys to stamp those two names in your brains. Two people 
that decided to go out there and said, nope, it's not about me believing in government. I am the government. We the people. Sometimes it takes a bit more to get things done, but we are going to get it done. Exactly. Alex Lou, Doris Brown, it has been my honor to have both of you on Politics Done Right. You guys represent exactly what being citizens is all about. Thank you so kindly for being on the program. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.